0: Joe, show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Maple Leafs taking care of the Dallas Stars songs, Jake Ottinger 4-1, as Morgan Riley, Mitch Marner, Tyler Bertuzzi, and then John Tavares with the empty netter, all, all score for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Bertuzzi, another um, special teams point uh, for him as he picks up his second goal of the season, it was a spectacular play by Matthew Nise to keep it in the zone, keep it alive. And then Morgan Riley with a a shot that was right at the stick Mm -hmm. of Tyler Pertuzzi ends up finding the back of the net. But this is the guy that we talked about in leading up to this game that of all the newcomers, he was the guy that was most in the spotlight headed into that game. And yeah, early, you know, he could have done worse than scoring on the power play and Boy, looking pretty pretty good. Like that line as a as an overall uh a takeaway as far as the advanced stats are concerned, like controlled the, the run of play from a shot uh, attempt perspective. Yeah,
1: I mean he gets the goal, so it's easy to do a little bit of hindsight and say you like his game better, but I just thought he he seemed more engaged. And, you know, you mentioned the great play by Nyes and by Riley there. That is the rare Check, check, check goal. Normally when there's a a second assist involved, somebody just chipped it out and uh, two other guys did something. That was three remarkable plays. Nice to keep it in, Mo with the great, and then great hands on Bertuzzi. That's what he's there to do. I mean, there's myriad of other things you want to see out of his game that I don't know that we've seen in spades, but that's a big, big part of it is tipping pucks and greasy goals, and rebounds and jam plays and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, no one was freaking out about Tyler Bertuzzi. We We
1: were really holding ourselves back though.
0: Yeah, uh, the the head coach uh, talked about one of his new additions in Bertuzzi yesterday after the performance. I have some takeaways. I thought it was his
2: best game today. Yeah, I did. I did. So, um, I think it's been coming. You know, I've been looking at his game really closely, um, and there are some things that he's been doing that don't haven't got a lot of attention uh, and you know, haven't really stood out. I guess more is what I'm saying. But uh, looking really closely at his game, I've gone through, I looked at every single time he's touched the puck in the six games that he's played, and he's he's done some very subtle things of keeping plays alive and moving the puck to his, to his line mates. Um, that hasn't necessarily been rewarded with points, but I, I think he's been coming. But I thought his skating today, moving his feet and being involved in the play was probably the
0: most consistent it's been throughout the game, and it's great to see him get rewarded with a great power play goal. Alright, so again, nobody's saying Tyler Berduzzi was a bad player. I did wonder how how good, you know. You've, if, anyone, he would, if anyone was saying it, it was you. You weren't <laughs> saying it, but yeah, if it anybody's
1: like, accused of saying it, I mean, it's I you. Did,
0: I mean, I just brought up the fact that he only had eight goals a season ago. and you did say that. Had the one thirty goal season where he shot like 30% mm-hmm. on, on the year. Yeah, Shout a out Dave of, Thompson, yeah. yeah. Had a, a couple of 20-goal seasons, but that sounded to me, Brent, and mm-hmm. like, tell me if you disagree, okay. like a head coach who's, Really trying to take control of the narrative, and really trying to tell you that, hey, I know the points haven't exactly exploded mm-hmm. for Tyler Bertuzzi, but you're not watching as closely as I am, and and he's actually off to a much better start to the season than you would you would believe. There was one word in that answer that told me everything I needed to hear. Subtle. Yes. Yeah, when,
1: when you when when Brad Sherliving a signed, subtle player. When Brad Schulliving signed. Tyler Bertuzzi, how many words into a thesis about what you liked about his game would you have to get before you got the subtle little chip passes?
0: Never, never. Because it wouldn't be there. You
1: could send him to jail and tell him he's not coming out until he gets that word and say, sorry, I still can't get there. It's just too tough. I love my family, but I live here now. Sorry you are 1000% right. And we've seen this with Keith before. If he doesn't have a ton to say, he'll say, yep, like the goal. Good for him to get on the board and move on. Mm-hmm. He is, he is not hesitant to give a short terse answer about a player There's a purpose to that. their big time was a purpose to that. And part of that is, you know, we talk about coaching through the media and it's negative connotations of when he calls guys soft and purposeless. And mm-hmm. oh, we love that. The stories that come out of that. That's coaching through the media too. And you're a hundred percent right. That is him trying to go out of his way to say, Hey, I know it went in tonight, but it, he didn't have a good game because the puck went in. Mm-hmm. He had a good game because of all these other things that I the smart hockey man have yeah. been seeing all this time. And you Rube <laughs> have not been able to pick up there. there. I don't know how you can hear that answer. Cause again, he, he kept doubling back on it. There were so many off ramps. He could have took to say, Next question, but he didn't. He wanted to apply, and he wanted to go on. He got asked again. We don't need to play it, but he got asked again about it. If it's just say uh, the question was is how much of that is John and Will Tavares and Nylander, that he's playing with, and he went out of his way to say, I think it's all of them. They're all playing well together. It is
0: clearly a guy trying to pump Bertuzzi's tires a little bit, for sure. Because he feels that maybe he's feeling the pressure a little bit. That maybe he, I know none of these these I don't guys know if pay it's attention. so much of that.
1: I think it's just trying to keep the knives at bay. Quite honestly.
0: Well, that's it yeah. the, the, okay so pressure um conversation yeah. right like i know that nobody listens and no and watches no, no. or
1: reads don't, but no okay they don't he, he they w- don't go on
0: instagram <laughs> they've certainly never seen anything there yeah so the, yeah i mean we're talking about the same thing whether we're talking about pressure or conversation sure. the, the conversation around tyler bertuzzi again nobody was freaking out but i guess Sheldon Keefe was afraid of the narrative getting away from him, that, that, yeah, there would be a building conversation around Tyler Bertuzzi's start to the season and him being the bigger acquisition than Max Domi. Because you can have the Max Domi conversation. He's making way less, right? And way less was expected of Max Domi. We're talking about a guy who had an incredible seven game postseason series with the Boston Bruins and is getting paid more than double what Max Domi is getting paid and started off the season playing on one of the best lines in all of hockey. And it was only a couple (laughs) of games later, he was no longer playing on the top line in hockey. So yeah, he could see a scenario where a couple more games where it's, it's not a guy that has scored 30 goals popping off the page that, that yeah, the the pressure does start to ramp up and he's pushing back. Immediately. Yeah. The other the
1: other thing that's interesting about Domi is, uh, thank goodness he had the Max Domi game a couple of nights ago, or we would have been having a ton of Matt Duchesne conversations today. That was mm-hmm. the exact person I looked at in free agency saying, well, why not that guy? In mm-hmm. Matt Duchesne, he could play center. He's fast. It is a trait the Leafs have lacked. Forget in their bottom six, just in the lineup. Uh, anytime they get a quick guy or a fast guy on this team, it sticks out like a sore thumb. So uh, very good for Domi in terms of the timing that we didn't have to have that one-to-one comparison. And I think the other thing about Keefe, and it's it's just kind of a, a different lens of looking at it, but much similar to the thing you're talking about. He's been in this market enough to know there always has to be one focal point it's not always bad no when morgan playoff riley and it was playoffs we had a lot to talk about with leafs but that was the one prevailing narrative of wow playoff mo look at this there must always be a player that is the focal point of conversations if it's the 60 goal season for matthews great we're lauding him rightfully Mm so if it's Justin Hall and two went in the net while he was on the ice, it's a much different tenor. And I think that Keefe realized how it was going with Domi, and I'm sure a segment of him looks around and goes, okay, for some reason they're not looking at Klingberg. Domi's found his way. Ryan Reeves, uh, well, that conversation's been had. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, better come to Burt's defense here. I do think there's something to that.
0: Yeah, the, the focal point, though, uh, in a positive sense, is on Joe Wall, who oh, was, yeah. sorry, Wall who Like, if you have a name that can be pronounced Wall and and you're a goalie, why would you not take that opportunity to say, yeah, it's Wall? Like, I, I, I'm sure plenty of people in his life call him Joseph Wall, but he wants us people, to pronounce it Wall. I don't think people in his life
1: call him Joseph Wall. I suppose. Do you think they go but up not, to him and they're like, hey, jo-, do you think his teammates are like, hey, Joseph Wall, <laughs> how are you today?
0: No. I, I, I'm sure, you know, when he hears Wall, though, he's not, like, offended, right? Like, ugh. I hate to do this because now, you know, people are gonna do it to me, and I hate having my name messed up this way. But like, there's how been... do people screw up your name? My last name. Yeah. How? Oh, really? I I feel like Ennis has now become. There's an, enough. You're a so celebrity... no, no, not me. But there are more Ennises in the Zeitgeist for whatever. Yeah, Tyler. It started with a couple of Tyler's, right? But I, growing up, I used to get telemarketers all the time. Okay saying as Mr. Enos.
1: Oh, cuz so with me, not the last name, gunning everyone nails that one cuz yeah, it's so studly. But yeah, I it's a good one. I I have a neighbor who I live across who I've lived across the street from for 3 years now and mm-hmm. she just was like, "Sorry, can I just clarify is it Brent or Brett?" And I'm like, it's Brent, but I I do not care. I get Brett all the time. <laughs> you do I don't not I care? don't care. That's a tough one. I don't care. I just don't it's like there's an N in it. The, what? There's two so T's, I have, what's I have going on? I don't care who's, who's I just,
0: Kurt and I, I always forget whether it's Kirk or Kurt. Like okay. I definitely called him but Kirk before. This is
1: my point is I don't care. Yeah. I just like if you want to call nah, me Brett, go I for care. it. Don't, I
0: really don't care. I, I again, like I know, I'm setting myself to be annoyed in well, the world when I tell people that I am very annoyed by people mispronouncing Ennis as Ennis.
1: But yeah, yeah we've do. done we've we've done Tavares Tavares, I know, which I don't even like deal. doing because I I just did it now. I don't know which one's right. I know, but we can't have this conversation too long or yeah. the wrong one will worm its way into my brain.
0: <laughs> I know. it's. We've been saying Tavares for so yeah, long, though, that that has... And then Gordon remem- Stellick comes out and calls him Tavares ah.
1: every time. And I'm like, well, Gord's allowed. <laughs> he can do what he wants. Anyways, Joseph Wall. <laughs> Very good. You called him Wall again. Yeah, because it doesn't... It doesn't really matter. It's fine. <laughs> Here's the thing: he's going to make a ton of saves, and yeah. the name's really going to matter, or he's not, and it mm. won't. That's okay. Uh, J- if he wants to be called Joseph Wool, yeah, continue playing like this. And also, I just I like Wool because
0: then we can call him Waller the Baller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they call him Brick apparently, or Yeah. Mitch Marner does, but okay. yeah, he's, mm. he's not wish, the Brick Wool. Wish I would have heard that name from anybody else. Yeah. Like, yeah. They ca- hey, another game by Brick. Well done, Brick. That's good. I do like that. Yeah, uh, he's been spectacular this season. He was spectacular during the regular season last year. He was good during the postseason when he came in for an injured Ilya Samsonov. Um, He's obviously the de facto number one, whatever that means, for really any team in 2023, but specifically this Uh one with a couple of guys that are going to share the workload. Ilya Samsonov is going to start again tomorrow against the Nashville Predators. For a guy that... I am I am curious about um, what outside factors do to his... Not mental state, like his game. Just yeah, frankly. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy that's been on the record in talking about when he faces that Washington Capitals team that drafted him in the first round mm-hmm. but then said goodbye. Yeah, Thanks, but no thanks. We're not even going to give you a qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. That he got up for those games and he was a little too emotionally invested in those games. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that wanted a long-term extension from the Toronto Maple Leafs, and instead they took him to arbitration. And lo and behold, he's very much stubbed his toe to start the year. I mean, how is he going to react to one guy that he expected to be at worst level footing on with to start the season? But obviously in his mind's eye, with the body of work during the regular season and the six games against the Tampa Bay Lightning was going to give be given the benefit of the doubt against. Now... We're single digits into the start of the season, and he's the number two looking up to. How is that going to impact his play going forward?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of hard to overstate how big a start this is for for Samsonov. I mean, maybe this is unfair to do, but if you just want to do the math of you know, we have heard that that arbitration hearing was nasty, and guess what? They all kind of are. So if we're hearing that it was nasty, it probably got. Really nasty. Then mm-hmm. you wonder how, what that does to his confidence of, oh, this is the team that is supposed to be believing in me and this is how they feel. Then he gets off to the start. He gets off to, he hasn't played in, I know it's a week, but it feels like a month. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's been forever since he got in the net. It's massive for him to go out and have a, and it's not a matter of go. hopefully he doesn't have to make 50 saves and stand on his head or anything like that, but give him a chance keep it to two or three goals, something like that. He just needs a start that he can build off. It's not anything to reclaim the net or have a controversy or anything like that, but he just needs a start he can build off because, uh, you know, as great as we all feel about wool and I feel so good about it. good job. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Shocker. I get that one. I know. The, it's, I am not throwing him away. I think he's going to be, I envisioned him to be the number one at some point in time this year. They still are going to need Samsonov and that's why tomorrow was so important.
0: Brent, that that's it. Is that okay? Again, it's it's 2023. Nobody starts 60, 70 Not even Jake Ottinger, apparently. Yeah, like yeah. We talked to Devin Dubnyk yesterday. Like that's the, the that those days are over and done with. But especially a guy who's never done that throughout the course of his professional career, a guy that's dealt with injuries in Joseph Wall. Um, you're you're gonna need a two goalie system. I will say. The statistically outside of, well, even outside of the statistics, just looking at the the way Elias Samsonov has played and also looking at the track record outside of last year, which mm-hmm. was far and away his best season as an NHL goaltender. Him looking like he has so far this season, it, it's like almost an untenable spot as a guy that's like, not just a pure backup, somebody that's getting a couple of starts a week. Like, you can't have a your backup goalie with an 880 save percentage. No. Um, do I think that Elias Samsonov, is that this season? No. Do I discount the possibility that he returns to a guy that was a sub-900 save percentage? And again, that an organization had so much equity in, in a first-round selection, decided to walk mm-hmm. away from, like him reverting to that form. I don't, the beliefs obviously believe that's a possibility. That's why they didn't sign him to a long-term extension.
1: Yeah. I think the, I think the thing that has to be stated about Samsonov with Washington and you know, I'm not going to pretend to have done any reporting on this, but I think it's a fair question is how much of the caps waving bye-bye to him was kind of breaking up the Russian clique that they had going yeah. on there. And you're not going to break up a Ovi, You're not going to break up with Kuznetsov. So I do wonder how much of that, but to your point, there's no world that says he will for certain be a nine ten guy again or anything like that. But Samsonov is going to play games that matter for this team. And the only way for him to get playing good hockey again is to feel confident about himself. Like, it, it he needs to get rolling. And the other part of it is if he doesn't look good on Saturday, it's far from a guarantee when he gets back in there again. And that's why it's just it's massive for
0: him to come out and perform. 2021. Ilya Samsonov had a nine Oh two save percentage in 19 games for the Capitals 21, 22 in 44 games. He had an 896 save percentage. Yep. Right. This is, this is a guy that's, that's had some underwhelming seasons. Uh, it's why he was readily available. That's why he was willing to take less, uh, to be, uh, a guy that was not guaranteed a number one job with this Leafs team a season ago. And he emerged and he had a great season and he had a great postseason and led the Leafs to their first postseason series victory in 20 years. But, uh, He needs to get back on track tomorrow in a big-time way. Dane Cook's Perfectly Shattered Tour is coming to Casino-Rama Resort on November 10th, and we're giving away tickets all week long to enter. All you have to do is tune in to episodes of the Fan Morning Show, listen for the code word, then text the code word to 590-590. Today's code word is special. Text special to 590-590 right now to enter for your chance to win. If you don't win with us, Secure yours at Ticketmaster.ca. Game one of the World Series tonight on Sportsnet after 8 o'clock. And Brent, it's interesting to think about who Blue Jays fans have a rooting interest in. Because, I mean, whenever it's an American League team... Go Comet! No. Yeah, I mean, it's neither team is exactly... You know, in in a, a soft spot in your heart. Unless you just, you know, you were a big Gabriel Moreno fan <laughs> as, a prosper, uh, as a prospect. And, okay, yeah, there's the Marcus Simeon of it all, but he spent one season I here think in Toronto. A, there
1: are a lot of people who have a lot of time for him after that season.
0: But I will say, looking at the uniforms the Texas Rangers wear and thinking about, oh, you know, no. Mugnet Odor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did say
1: it was enough to overcome <laughs> that. I'm just saying people like Marcus <laughs> Simeon, okay?
0: And, and you can like Lourdes Gurriel, Jr., and and Gabrielle Moreno, but yeah, I'm thinking you're going to be heartbroken if you're a Blue Jays fan to see them immediately hoist a, yeah, I told you. a they commissioner's are, trophy. They are
1: Blue Jays fans are rooting for the Comet yeah. in this World Series.
0: Well, uh, or maybe they're just haters. Uh, anyways, game one tonight. Uh, this Insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. In the Lone Star State is our friend, Adnan Verk of MLB Network. Have you had any barbecue, Adnan?
2: Great yeah, first question. Hey, Brent, how are you guys doing? Yeah, excellent first question. So we flew in uh, Thursday and uh, – no, sorry, Wednesday night. Raining, shockingly, showers here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And as you know, you have to say Dallas-Fort Worth because mm-hmm. they're both like two separate entities. And I am in Fort Worth, which is like 40 minutes of Dallas. Traffic here notoriously bad. So uh, I think we're about 25 minutes in the park. So, anyways, first night I said I'm looking for some barbecue. Thunder showers. I'm like, you know what? We'll just get some quesadillas at the hotel. No problem. And then last night, me and Harold Reynolds went out for dinner, and uh, there's a steak place across the road. And as soon as he said he was buying, I said I have to get the most expensive <laughs> thing. So <Yes. laughs> I did not get the barbecue, but I did. I did, I did get an $89 porterhouse steak, which is so good you. job, Adnan. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys are the types you just want to eat and go. But I, as soon as I understand that it's free, I'm going to keep going. So I said I have to look at a dessert menu, and I could tell Harold <laughs> wanted to leave. It. Let's just at least take a look. And I, <laughs> and I said, what, are, what do you recommend? Because honestly, the bread pudding is to die for. So we get the bread pudding. Harold's visibly annoyed, and I said, no, we got to get it. Come on. And it, it's known for. We're never going to be here again. This Fort Worth restaurant. And I got to be honest, it was not worth it. Oh. <laughs> it, was, it was another $12. I it's some more, but, well, I had the bread pudding.
0: Out of boy. I love it. Yeah. No, you, you gotta take advantage of the former major leaguer who's foot in the bill. I think it's okay. I'm I think you can afford 89 I did, bucks.
1: I did the exact same thing when Ben took us all out for breakfast when we started the morning show. <laughs> I got an extra slice of P mail. That's what I
0: did. <laughs> yeah. Slightly different tax bracket. But yeah, uh good for you. Uh yeah, I, I've been to Texas more than a few times and and come back uh 10 pounds heavier. Um, what are you most most interested in? In this matchup, Adnan, obviously one team that uh, I guess I was going to say you you expected to be here, but not necessarily. I mean, the, the Rangers were the surprise yeah. of the season, the way they controlled that division for long portions of it, uh, except for game 162, where they lost to the Mariners and handed the Astros the AL West. Um, but yeah, certainly a Diamondbacks team that nobody expected to be in this position, only won 84 games. What are you most interested in?
2: I think it's just a matter of the Rangers' offense against the D-backs pitching, which ultimately will win this series. Because you're right. When you look at it, you go, oh, my God, this is such an unpredictable World Series. And it is. Nobody called Rangers D-backs. But at least with Texas, you can argue, well, they were in first place 138 of 139 days. They were a first-place team for much of the year. Had that terrible stretch in August. They lost 16-20. You know, Amazingly lost that last game of the regular season, one nothing to Seattle and cost themselves the division. That's where he's, okay, it's done. The road couldn't be easier for Houston. And yet the Rangers have been an incredible story of resilience. The fact that they won every single road game in Houston and win that Silver Booth Series to be here is impressive. But you're right. They're, they're a great story, and in some ways it's expected, but it isn't. Arizona is completely unexpected. I mean, there's not one person in the world that says, oh, yeah, a six seed. They're going to figure this out. And at every single series, they've been the underdog to beat the Brewers, the Dodgers, and the Phillies. Especially be down three-two. I mean, I, I still can't get over it to be down three-two, going to Philadelphia with all this talk about Citizens Bank Park and what a raucous crowd it is to beat Aaron Nola, who had been lights out, then to win Game Seven amazing. But I think for this series specifically, I want to see if they're pitching, which I love Zach Gallen. I interviewed him again yesterday. I feel like I've interviewed guy five times in the last three months. He's a wonderful guy, but he did not pitch well against the Phillies. He has a five and a quarter ERA so far in the postseason. He's going up against Ivaldi, who has been lights out. Ivaldi. Has a 4-1 regular season ERA in the playoffs. It's like 2 for his career. So he's undoubtedly a big game pitcher, and it's not just a small sample size, and he's, he's been doing it for a while. So I, I really think this Texas offense, when I look at it, fellas, I'm like, they've they just got guys that can bash everywhere, right? Seeger and Simeon and Garver and Heim and Lowe and Josh Young and, uh, of course, Adoles Garcia, who's just been a firecracker. For Arizona, it's just a few guys that can hit. It's Carroll, Marce, Moreno. Uh, Alec Thomas, and let's see Christian Walker's been really quiet. And so for Arizona to win, it's going to have to be their pitching. Zach's going to have to pitch better. Uh, I still think Texas wins that game one. But if, if Zach can pitch better, that'd be a great sign. Merrill Kelly's been excellent. And their bullpens are really a lot of fun to watch. Because when it gets to Ginkle, who, by the way, Ben Addison is sharing a brain. Oh, he yeah. literally he tweeted, <laughs> Ginkle is not. And 40 seconds later, I I put something to the effect of maybe all along it wasn't Finkle, it was Ginkle. And I said, this is incredible. Ben and I been in. <laughs> Within a minute, tweeting Ginkle's Einhorn jokes, racing sure, and I promise, if I see him, I'm definitely going to bring it up. Like, dude, how many people are saying Ginkle's Einhorn? You <laughs> think you Um But anyways, back in the bullpen, Ginkle's been lights out, and then Seawall's fantastic too, coming from the mirrors. So. Can Arizona scratch out enough runs, and can their pitching hold Texas at bay? Those are the big questions for me.
1: Yeah, just from a from a storyline perspective, it's 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 going to be interesting to me to see how we talk about this. And you know, up here we've been having different conversations than you have. I mean, the Phillies kind of became the you know a national team almost, and how much everyone got pulled in everything they were doing. So we had so many conversations there, and then obviously uh, this this shouldn't shock you, Adnan. Uh, there's been a lot of Gabriel Moreno talk uh, up here. Do you think there's some part of the Diamondback? story that's maybe going kind of untold or undersold? Because again, it's just, it feels like that whole Phillies series, all we talked about was the Phillies and Moreno. Do you think there's some part of, of what the Dimebags do? And maybe it is the pitching, like you mentioned, that that just doesn't quite get the credit they deserve or is under talked about.
2: Yeah, I I think Moreno's been a great story. I mean, obviously in Toronto, right, a slipped their wrist and understandably, I mean, to think that we got... Alejandro Kirk and Jansen Moreno. They go well. Someone's the odd man out. They really love Kirk and J. still more than a capable backup, you can platoon those guys, so to speak. And then Steel Moreno, I get it because you're dealing from a sh- place of strength. You don't need three catchers. But gosh, I mean, geez, the return's got to be better. And Moreno has been terrific. I mean, throws out guys at a fifty percent clip. He's hitting third for them. He's hits a bunch of home runs. He's been awesome. And then Dalton Varsho, underwhelming to say the least offensively. I know his defense was off the charts, but.
0: What a You're defender.
2: And, yeah, exactly. What a we defender. We're going to focus on it. And Curry, obviously, at All-Star was so good. So, yeah, I think in general, the whole Arizona lineup is underrated. Like, you know, my brother's a casual sports fan. He texted me. Oh, you know, I enjoyed the series. Uh, I don't know anything about it. He said, but I'm cheering for Texas because they've never won a World Series, and I don't know who the hell's in Arizona. So, I think that's like most people. They go, <laughs> what? The D-backs for the World Series? Like, who? who is it? And, listen, if Arizona ends up winning the World Series, it'll go down as one of the great underdog stories ever. It's up there with. 88 Dodgers, 1990 Reds, like teams that you thought had no business winning a World Series. For them to even be here is, is shocking. But, I mean, I could see them winning. I, I mean, at this point, if they've been able to overcome all this adversity so far, why not a few more games? It, both these teams are flawed, fellas. Like, that's the one thing. It, it, Texas is the favorite, but they're not a juggernaut. Like, no. I could see Jose LeClerc giving up a couple of runs and, and blowing a game. I could see her oldest being shaky. I could see Max Scherzer getting lit up. You know what I mean? Like, they, they've got some questions on their pitching staff, but I could see Arizona taking advantage. So, yeah, I think Moreno's underrated just, just like the rest of this team is.
0: Yeah, I mean, that 90 Reds team still won 91 games, right? Yeah, it, it, I, I, yeah. I can't, like, 84 games. I know this this was the, the risk we, we ran in expanding the playoffs, right? And I, I know, hey, that, uh, what was it, the that, that the Cardinals team that won the World Series after losing it in in yeah. 04 to the Red Sox, what was 83 wins? But that was a Cardinals team that, again, was previously in a World Series, had a Hall of Famer and Albert Pujols. They were, like, in their prime. It was a, a shock that they, they won as few as 83 three games that regular season. Okay, yeah, you can talk. That's the rosy way of putting it. Hey, what an incredible underdog story. The other way is like, the least deserving World Series champion. I, I, and that, that part of it is, <laughs> I can't get away from it, man. Like, I, this is a sport we play every day for six months, and this team won 84 games. They lost the last four games of the regular season, and they're four wins away from being the champion of it all. It, it, it does, it's getting harder and harder for me to, to stand for the every game, 162-game regular season. No, it's a totally valid point, Ben. I mean,
2: if you embrace this World Series, you embrace the unpredictability of it. But if you have questions with it, it's exactly what you just said. How can you have three 100-win teams in the regular season that combine for one playoff victory? Like That's astounding to have that happen. And it, it starts to dilute the meaning of the regular season. Like, why play the 162 if you can win 84 just sneaking as a six seed, pull off a couple upsets, and we're good? And I know some of the talk is, well, maybe the division series should be a best of seven. Yeah. And I suppose, you know what I mean? Like, I guess, because what happened? I mean, I predicted that Brave series. I said, you know what? Kelly's will win game one. Strider's going to lose. Game two, Atlanta bounces back. They win two games, and Philly, it's over. Like it's, it becomes very easy, actually, to see the upset um, if that home team loses that first game. So Division Series could go seven, and that's more playoff money for Fox. Again, the season's getting a little bit longer then, but whatever. I guess, I guess It's amazing. I was looking at like how many World Series were done by now, and now the World Series is just starting. Yeah. like the, our Joe Carter game was on Saturday. It's the anniversary that's of right. that game six home run. That, that was the end of the World Series this hasn't even started so if you're going to go seven game ds i mean world series is basically starting in november so i mean if it's climate control i mean this is the first ever all dome world series the fact it's going to be at, at you know the new ballpark in texas and at chase field but if it was you know the red sox if it would be pretty cold in november like you're talking 48 degrees at game time so i don't know if that's necessarily the best approach but but you're right to at least raise the question i mean it's I never, I always say this with March Madness. It's fun to see an upset or two, mm-hmm. but ultimately you want to see the big teams. You want to see Duke and North Carolina and UCLA and Michigan love them or hate them. Those are the teams that draw, you know, and you want to see them facing a George Mason. So that's cool. So there's one underdog and one favorite, but if you get two underdogs, all of a sudden it's not nearly as exciting. You go, well, what's the point of playing the regular season yeah. if this is when the ends up happening. So I'm with you, man. It's, it's totally, I, I think it's a cool novelty. But if this starts happening every year, like six seeds keep hitting the World Series, that's not going to be a good thing.
0: Nope. Uh, and at least the Rangers, they you know—they got Max Scherzer, they got Corey Seager, they got Marcus Semien. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a different story if they win the World Series as opposed to this 84-win Diamondbacks team. But yeah, seven-game series, anything can happen, uh, and we'll be watching.
2: Thanks, Adnan. Fellas, I got to say, by the way, the Moreno trade, I keep thinking, you know, how bad could it be in movie terms? This is probably as bad as the Lufthansa heist in Goodfellas, right? Oh. Like, this
0: is just... Just an absolute... Defense. Jimmy, except, except we have to watch it. The Lufthansa heist, we just, we just heard about That's a it, great right? point. Yeah. That's a great point. <laughs> See you, buddy. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Adnan Verk, MLB Network. He was our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. So you're the perfect guy to ask about this. Does it matter? Like, you, you can
1: watch baseball in February. Does it matter that it's bleeding so deep into, you know, I, I I jokingly refer to them real sports, you know, the other team sports we have in North America, baseball, hockey, or sorry, football, basketball, and hockey. Does it ble- do, Like, do you think, we always talk about this with the NHL of like, hey, get your games off Sunday afternoons. Yeah. What are you doing? And I'm not going to pretend the NHL and Major League Baseball are the same thing. Uh, they are not. Yeah. But do you think hockey playing at Stanley Cup final in, in June? Yeah, I don't love it. I, mm-hmm. I do not. Do you have an issue with it? It's like, it's cold outside. I have to wear a coat. Yeah. Baseball's still on.
0: I don't love it. Love it. I do. I I. I will say, yeah, if it's an outdoor World Series, if, if this mm, was I go being, the other way. Disgusting eh, but, that it's in a dome. What's wrong with you? Play a game in the elements. It's just, it's so, man... Play of baseball is already so different, and then you know we we play it in conditions that nobody's played in throughout the course of the entire season. What I was thinking about when Adnan was talking about yeah extending the the division series to his best to seven You're like more baseball. Oh well, my no, god! No, I was I was actually thinking the opposite mm. because we've whether it's explicitly said or not, the regular season means less. So let's just have less regular season then. Just just chop it off. Chop off ten games. Okay, one hundred fifty two games. Just get rid of and then play double headers like just just if let's make the whole thing out of playoffs then <laughs> if all that matters is the playoffs, <laughs> which it I, does. I, okay, and I love playoff baseball. Like, and no, I'm, don't get me wrong, I love it, but. I, I feel like a seven-game series, and I this, I made this argument well, the last week, couple of weeks ago, that yep. in a seven-game series, at least you need four starters, right? That's it's more reminiscent mm-hmm. of what we get during the regular season. I think that is a little more fair. I think you get less chance of an 84-win Diamondbacks team getting to the World Series like you do this year. So okay, it's all—it's the playoffs. We're just like every other sport. Get rid of some regular season games, then fine. I don't think you could touch baseball's regular season. Why it's not? The
1: sport that the record book yeah, means yeah, but, the uh, most for. Uh, and-
0: Babe Ruth played fewer regular season games. One hundred fifty-four. Like this, the, the one hundred sixty-two is not like it's not ingrained in the fabric of the, of the sport.
1: I I think that if you're if you you, you are to my opinion, changing kind of the fabric of what makes the game, the long road to get into the playoffs. It's and already, you, it's over. But if you have the issue with that, then, then you should be arguing the other side of it and saying, just go back to what it once was. And you just have your CSs in a world series or, Hey, you could just do a world series for, for like, if that, if you
0: are, it's beyond, we can't go back though. Toothpaste well, is out of the tube.
1: Okay. They're not going to take away regular season games. That isn't happening.
0: Well, if you can make a financial argument, I know we got a break. Yeah. No, I know, no, 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 no. But yeah, if you can make the financial argument, that they're not losing any money because yeah, the playoff revenue revenue is spread amongst all the thirty teams. So talk to
1: the NBA about that with their playing tournament and see if they're they're going to chop the regular season anytime soon.
0: Yeah, uh, okay.
1: I it's just not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it's not happening.
0: All right. When we come back, Hal Gill, former NH- NHL defenseman, currently Preds broadcaster, as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
1: Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple,
2: Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Fan morning show, Sports nine of The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Leafs 3-1. and one, This road trip so far, season long. 10-day, five-game road trip with no back-to-backs.
1: And then they're off to Sweden shortly after. A weird start to the season for that team. Yeah. Just scheduling-wise.
0: Yeah, well, I mean... Picking up points in these games and when they're on the road. And mm-hmm. yeah, if they pick up points in Sweden, not necessarily easy, uh, would uh, pay dividends because the schedule is probably gonna open up uh, later on in the season. They wrap up this uh, road trip tomorrow in Nashville on Hockey Night in Canada. Let's talk to Hal Gill, former NHL defenseman, Nashville Predators broadcaster. How's it going, Hal?
3: Fantastic, guys. How are
0: you doing up there in Toronto? Oh, we're doing we're doing great because, uh, yeah, the, the, it's not the same conversation that's happening in Alberta right now uh, around their hockey teams, <laughs> which is a, a difficult one, uh, and it's, it's yeah, single-digit games here, but, yeah, it, it's better than the alternative for the Leafs who are off to a, a nice little start. Without Ryan O'Reilly, a guy that they tried to bring back, who they're going to see for the first time as a Nashville Predator, Tomorrow, and I, I think it caught a lot, a lot of people off guard a little bit in, in part of the conversation about why he chose Nashville over Toronto, money being equal, was being out of this market. Um, what, what, have, what have you made of the, the early days of Ryan O'Reilly as, as a member of the Predators and the idea that, hey, despite being an Ontario guy, yeah, he, he preferred to, to be out of the spotlight of Toronto.
3: Yeah, it's a, well, first of all, let me just get into what Ryan O'Reilly, you know, just watching him on a day-in, day-out basis. You know, the, I think it's a perfect fit for him. He, well, you guys know how he plays the game and how he, the face-offs. He's got a great stick, and it impresses me every time I see it. Uh, you know, he can score goals, he'll kill penalties, he does everything, but he's kind of trickled down. To everyone on the team including veterans like philip forsberg who he's worked with and they have chemistry with and he just brings that work ethic um but it's it's a different world down here and i've gone through it from being in toronto and montreal and and the big market you come down in nashville and I, i'll tell you the first uh, week that everyone was back in town they had a charity event and I went over and, and started talking in the arena. The full arena was booked, and everyone was walking around. and And I sat down and, and had a good conversation with uh, with the factor, and and kind of just was talking to him. And he goes, "What? Why are we not being bothered?" And I said, "No, you're in Nashville, buddy. They'll wait until we're done talking before anyone comes and talks to you." And he was like, "This is this is a different world, you know. It's it is a it is a." At a charity event in, in Toronto, I've, I've gone through the the red carpet and you walk and you wave and you say hi to a few people and then you're gone. And this was a, a full night where we were just hanging around and talking to Smashville's fans and you have conversations with people and people are, are waiting their turn to talk to you. And he said, this is, this is a little different. And, you know, you go to different things around the city and you can have a conversation with a fan. And you move on, and it's a it's a different life and a lot easier life um, you know it depends on what you want. I, I feel like Nashville has a, a great fan base that shows up and gets loud and rowdy, and you'll see that tonight uh, and especially on a Saturday on Broadway. it's going to be great, but once you get away from the rink it it dials way down, and I think that's a, lo- a really enjoyable for a lot of players but you yeah, know we don't have taxes down here <laughs> uh, ta- taxes
1: it always comes back the to the taxes. <laughs> So, you know, it's funny. And I I just, I look at the run of teams you played on. Boston, Pittsburgh, Montreal, Nashville, Toronto in there as well. And Philly, it's like one of those markets very different than the others. And I don't, you know, you, you live in Nashville, obviously you love your time there, but do you feel the difference? Not so much on a, in a moment like that, where you're in the, the, you know, a charity event or something like that, but just in your day to day, you know, I think there's a lot of people who think, you know, if you're a Leaf, you're walking down the street and you feel like everyone's looking at you. Do you feel different? Differently yep. as a person in Nashville than you, than you would here in Toronto.
3: A hundred percent different. It's a, it's a different, it, and you don't understand it until you actually go through it. Um, and you hand people handle it differently. I remember going to Toronto and I, I felt the pressure and I felt the pressure from the media and you could see it in the locker room after games. You know, if you lose a game, you, you guys don't want to talk to the media because you know, the media is going to roll over on you. Uh, you know the fans aren't happy, and you don't. You're afraid of how they're going to treat you after, and so you go to games. I, I guess you're always excited and nervous about a game, but you're going in with a different feel. Uh, you come into Nashville, and you know the weights off your shoulders. You go out, you play your game, and, and then you can go on your way. And there's no, there's no pressure otherwise. I, I, I will say I felt it in Toronto, and I, it was, it was. I I liked the pressure, but it was, it was a lot. It was taxing. It was mentally, it was, and emotionally, it was like, okay, the, the, the fans are down on me and, you know, I got to be better for the fans. I got to fight for them. And uh, when I, when I signed in Montreal after that, I was like, I, I'm never going to feel that again. And so I, I kind of said, who, who cares what Montreal fans think of me? I'm going to go and play my game. And I kind of, forgot about it and and ignored it. And that's hard to do in Montreal, but I was convinced I really didn't care what they thought and it made it a lot easier. But in Toronto, it was new to me and it was a, it was a different beast and it it was, it was hard at times to handle.
0: I get that entirely. Like, oh man, I would not be able to handle it, but guess what, Hal? I'm not a pro athlete though. I got to say like hearing you say those things, like it makes a ton of sense to me, but I I do want to, I want to believe in my and heart, let me, let, yeah. let me just let
3: me just say, I, I I actually I love the fact that every time you go to the rink, it's it feels like game seven. Yeah. I mean, I love the I love that pressure. It's just it gets to be exhausting after a while.
0: Well, yeah, especially if there's there are no victories. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly spent such a limited amount of time in Toronto, and there was nothing yeah. but yeah. positive things to be said about that team when he arrived because he came with a slew of guys that were, I think, universally lauded as great acquisitions. At the trade deadline, but what I was going to say, Hal, is like I want to believe that like the mentality that it takes to 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 become a pro athlete and and the the always believing in yourself and 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 blocking out the negative energy that the the reward, the thought of the reward would weigh. Uh, outweigh the risks of playing in a, a market that is intense about the sport in which you play. Like I I know. I understand the argument against it. And again, if, if it were me, I get it. I would want to walk to the Rankin and flip-flops. That sounds amazing. But I, I would like to think that a pro athlete would, would want to be the guy and would believe that they're the guy that's going to be the missing ingredient to bringing a Stanley Cup back to Toronto for the first time in 50 years. And if you do that... Your oh. it's beyond anything. Oh, you can, set, that's, set for life, for, but your children are set for life forever and ever, <laughs> and ever and ever. They're making statues on. You can have a statue as large as the the I don't know the Statue of Liberty in front of Scotiabank <laughs> Arena. I would like to believe Hal that that there the that, that there should be a, a a professional athlete mentality that would embrace that.
3: And I remember you, you know Andrew Raycroft was was went up to Toronto and I went with him and. And I said, you know, as I signed, I was like, man, if we could win in Toronto, it would, like, this would be the best place. And, you know, I won in Pittsburgh and, and it was amazing. And we went down and it, we had the best celebration. And I always thought about, like, hey, if that could happen in Toronto, uh, I mean, forget about it. And, and, but that goes, it's the same pressure. It goes back to the same pressure. Like, I want to win this so bad because what an epic run this would be but there's more it's it's more pressure with that there's more exhaustion with that it's it's every day you go to the rink like we need to win because this would be amazing and hey i love toronto but you guys aren't afraid to plan a, a parade route before things happen you know I, I mean you get excited about it which is amazing but uh but with that it's it's constantly on your mind and and it is it can be exhausting
0: I get that it can be exhausting. I, I I get it again, and if it were me, I I understand the reasons against it. I just, yeah, I I again, even if you have a modicum of success, right? How like I even go back to like the Leafs teams of my youth, which won no Stanley Cups, but I mean, look at the way Darcy Tucker is regarded in the city. I mean, Wendell, Dougie. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, that 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 there is. That element of it, and I guess for Ryan O'Reilly, it's a different deal because he already has his cup. Like I, I wonder, I wonder if that plays into it—that he's already reached the top of the mountain.
3: I I don't think I would argue against that. If I want a cup, then I want it more than ever because uh, you realize like it, it's possible you can get there. And I think you know, I I think when you win the cup, you want it more. I I, I do think uh, you're you're absolutely right. I agree with you a hundred percent. The day to day creeps up on you when you're when you're in that in that experience, and it, it's a lot, and you want to go and you want to focus on your game without anything else. And I, I think now that with the salary cap the way it is, and I think all teams are kind of same boat, and so you don't know wh- who's going to win and and how it's going to happen, and so I think that's where a lot of teams are saying, okay, I can have a pretty and I have a chance to win the top as opposed to the, the pressures of other places and, and Toronto being one of them.
0: Not to get too hung up on this, but now that we're here, Hal I, and you're a, a Massachusetts guy, yeah, that ship has sailed, Ben. We are very hung up on this. <laughs> yeah. You're a
3: Massachusetts guy. So I imagine, it, you know what? It's a great, there's no right answer because every player is different. I Some guys it. thrive in that. And, mm-hmm. and I did thrive in, in Montreal. I thrived in it. I loved it. Cause I, 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 yeah, I, I felt a lot more comfortable And I will say in Toronto, I loved it for a long time, but you know, I was, I I felt like I was playing great hockey and the fans did not agree. And so it was like, I'm playing, I'm playing two minutes on every penalty kill and I'm I'm blocking the shots. I actually scored goals when I was in Toronto and still fans rolled over on me. And, and then they rolled over on Brian McCabe at times. And I was like, wait a second, he's, he's awesome. What are you talking about? Um, you know, it's it's
0: a it's a tough market to play. Yeah. Okay. In in that respect. So I I wonder how tough it is because yeah, we we hear this a lot. I, I I again, you're a Massachusetts guy, and I I can't help but put on my my baseball hat here and think about the way some of the the premier baseball markets are covered. The Yankees, the Red Sox. Like I just I feel like the 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 media pressure surrounding some of the I mean, I mean NFL. Like I I feel like there's there's a lot more questions about pro athletes in major markets in the United States than there are here in Toronto. And again, going back to those, those Leaf teams that didn't win Stanley Cups, but were regarded extremely fondly, I do think, and you would know because you played in the market and you can tell me I'm absolutely wrong, that it's like a little bit overstated how how negative the media attention is. Like if they're playing poorly, no no doubt. Uh, the the media and the fans are going to jump on them. But again, the, the the bar feels very low in the city of Toronto. Well,
3: I, well, okay, first of all, you're comparing, hey, if you're in Boston, yeah, you have a seasonal pressure, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there, there's a very small window where people are just focused on the Bruins. <laughs> you, yeah. I mean, you have the Patriots. Uh, maybe the Patriots, playing the way they have, are going to shed a little light on the Bruins. Uh, you have the Celtics, and of course, the Red Sox, take the cake. So, uh, you know, I think the Red Sox is, is a big, is a big thing, not the last few years, because the Bruins have been so awesome um, and they had a run where, how could you be negative about that until the playoffs game? Right. But uh, you know, I, I think in Montreal, certainly there's, you know, and with all due respect to the owls, there's not much going on other than hockey in Toronto. You have the, the little bump back from the blue Jays and, and TFC, I, like there's a little bump back, but there's King, and that's what matters most to people. And people in the streets are talking about it, and so it's a it's a different it's a different thing. And now I was from Boston, played for the Bruins. That brings its own set of pressures. That 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 turns into like your your brothers and sisters giving you grief, and your cousins, your family <laughs> giving you grief, as opposed to just Joe fan that stops you at the dunks. You know, it's it's a different it's a different it's a different feeling.
0: I get it, man. Um, I do. I, I understand it. Um, and yeah, uh, the Leafs look a little different with Ryan O'Reilly centering a third line this season uh, than they do with, yeah, what was Fraser Minton there for a second. All right, uh, Hal, I wish we had more time. We yeah, got... Thank
1: you for letting us grill you about your values <laughs> at 840 in the morning. Thank you, Hal.
3: You're, you know what? You know what I love about Toronto. What's that? And, you know, you, you guys, you know, you bring me on the show and then when we talk about this and we have a good conversation about it, and I guarantee you there's there's, there's fans out there in Toronto and like uh, how Gil uh, cracks under the pressure. He doesn't like the pressure. I, if I made money he made, I'd go out there and I'd love the pressure. Put it on me because I want to go out there and win the cup for the fans. And, and so I know there's that. And trust me, I get it. I, yeah. I agree with you. I'm just trying to give you the inside scoop on a, uh, the the mental side of the game.
0: 100. percent We loved it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Hal. <laughs> See ya. You got it, guys. There's Hal Gill, former NHL defenseman. I I love you. Really it. did just grill him about his. I ve- can't what, help it. When what I do you that? hold
1: dear to your friend uh, buddy, You are watching, the, buddy. I think the exact same thing. Okay. I know
0: you were watching me as he was saying that, and it's like. Ah. On the one hand, like I told him, like if it were me oh and I was the millionaire pro athlete and I Coyotes had a chance to hit me up. Whoo! But yeah, it's not me and I would like to think there's a value in playing Trump. Yeah, I think uh
1: I think thirty-four in blue and white holds it. <laughs> All
0: right, uh have a great weekend everybody. This has been the fan morning show, sports Five Nine Fan is Brent Gunning. Good, Good morning. morning.